And so separately, they both left the party and separately, they both ended up at like the same stoplight. And so obviously there were drugs and alcohol involved. And so my, my dad got out of the passenger seat and initiated a fight with the driver and he, he pulled out a gun and he, he shot him, shot him to death. It's Monday and shit is wild out there. I'm your host, Ricky. This is Jules. And we are in the back half of season two of Luke, who is your father. We are missing Kenny K23 today. (laughs) And as you can tell if you're watching the YouTube, we decided to not consider production value at all for our video. That's not true. We just were, (laughs) we're going for a change of pace in a lot of different ways today yeah and we figured not many people have seen me and julianne sit together before ever so you're welcome you're welcome kids kenny we miss you kenny is traipsing around europe mainly italy yes with the one and only tina scavo mom's first time out not i not out of the country probably definitely to mexico to europe yeah. yes yeah as mm-hmm. much as mexico can be considered leaving the country yeah <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> We're getting lots of photos of steak and frites. Oh my god. Pizza. Bags, leather bags. Lots of Italian leather bags. Yes. So Kenny, we miss you and we, we will you. do our best to make up for your absence today. Yes. Jules, what have you been up to? When you came over, I was building a coffee table. Why? We are having the whole fam bam for Thanksgiving this year. Which first time ever is crazy. We are doing Thanksgiving together as a family. Julianne and I are going out to dinner this Friday because she is presenting me and Colin with our engagement gift, which doesn't sound like it is announced on the podcast worthy, but she has literally worked on it for a cumulative. (laughs) I mean, how many hours? I was trying to do this math with Luke the other day, (laughs) and I think it has to be over 500. 500 hours. Yeah. That's crazy. I hope it's... (laughs) What if I give it to them and they're just like, okay, cool. No. <laughs> we'll never. see. I do think it turned out pretty well. And Ricky's getting a little bonus unhinged uh, gift too. Oh. So, yes. I already have a sweatshirt that says fiance like Beyonce on it. So <laughs> I can't wait. Yes, it's a bonus gift. This will make more sense to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. My TikTok is pretty heavy on uh, podcast content. I think that's all that's on there. But I will be unveiling said artwork on my TikTok. So if you want to see it, you should look at it. We'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, keeping up with the scumps. Yes, the scump sisters. 100%. What have you been doing? Oh, just life admin. Yes. Since we talked to everyone last, ACL has come and gone. Mm-hmm. Kendall and I did not catch each other at ACL. We saw 100% different shows to the surprise of no one. I was going to ask you because I know that she was in town and you had a little plan. Oh my gosh. Were- Jade has gotten so many shout outs on this podcast. <laughs> Because she's my oldest friend. And while she was here for ACL, Colin and I asked Jade to be our officiant for our wedding. It occurred to us, like, not 
soon enough that you can basically ask anyone to be your officiant yeah. for your wedding. They just it have takes to do like it in time. Yeah. Five minutes online <laughs> totally. to, to be officiated. Mm-hmm. So I uh, got a little wine bottle label that said, will you marry us? put in my open table notes for the restaurant that they needed to put it on a champagne bottle, ran in and slapped it on the hostess stand before everyone else got in there. They presented her with the champagne bottle. She was very confused. Then she started to cry. Then she said, yes. So my best bestest friend is officiating our wedding officially amazing (laughs) jade you're gonna do such a great job yes i'm so excited um and for those asking wondering pondering should i not have asked one of my two sisters to do that no they would have hated it yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i no i literally that never even never crossed my mind until right this very (laughs) second no and i think that would be weird yeah, and it's not a big enough birth of like experience of both me and Colin. I feel like yeah. throughout the I feel like Jade I feel like I've spent more cumulative hours with Jade than probably with either of you. Oh, I would <laughs> venture to there's no way that you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. We did you live together with her for a long time. Yeah. 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 So that's exciting. And then yeah, otherwise we've been really boring over here. Julianne split her face open. Oh, I did do that. Mm-hmm. Um Luke was jumping over traffic cones with his, uh, whatever. Prosthetic. With his prosthetic. (laughs) I was going to say with his one leg. And I just thought that I would try to copy him. And the one-legged person did it better than you. Yep. No ableism here. (laughs) Really, really smashed. Actually broke my face open. It was really bad. She's healing well. You can't even see it in the video right now. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it a little scar but it's all right yeah yeah well let's move into the question of the day jules who is your favorite comedian well uh, myself no, obviously that, no. that is 100 percent true actually don't even try to pretend like it's not <laughs> i do think i'm so funny um but i really have a love for neighbor gatsy i think his delivery i can watch the same I can watch his sets over and over again and they never, he just makes me laugh, stream tears down my face. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to stick with good old Nate. I like it. What about you? Well, <laughs> I used to be a comedy junkie, Yes, as you know. Mm-hmm. It's not a podcast that I've mentioned on our podcast before, but the first podcast that I pledged total allegiance to was the guys we fucked podcast which has been on air now for 11 years can you imagine very impressive (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't listened to it go listen to it it obviously started it started because corinne got broken up with and as a coping mechanism wanted to start a podcast where they interviewed all of the men that they had been intimate with and then lo and behold they did run out of men that they had been intimate with and it really after 10 years (laughs) it was very much call her daddy before call her daddy was call her daddy and that is like a known beef Mm -hmm. and they are just far more intellectual with it And they, you know, segued into bringing on really amazing guests. And a lot of those guests were high profile comedians that were not high profile comedians at that time. Wow. And so sniffed them out. Yes. I have gone to an inordinate amount of comedy shows. People probably question how I have the time. (laughs) I don't know. Um, 
but as of late, I'm gonna, I do sort of really like the crew that probably is an evolved woman I'm not supposed to like, but I love Shane Gillis. His most recent special on Netflix is so wildly politically incorrect and just inappropriate at every turn. And it is hilarious. Like, we'll have to um, take a take a gander after we record tonight. Yeah. Maybe we'll put up a clip yeah. on like, or TikTok or something. Yeah. He's so funny. And then I love, I love Theo Vaughn. You know the man <laughs> that this is like getting closer and closer to. And I, we shall not say his name on our podcast, but uh, Theo is hilarious. Everything he says is 100% out of pocket and bad. And yet he's not, he just, he's good. So he has good, there's no m- malintent. No. Good juju. Oh my God, he cracks me up. Makes you uncancelable. And he, I mean, he walked the walk, you know? <laughs> yes, so, yes, he did. And for those who don't know, Theo Vaughn was, was from Road the Challenge. Rules? Oh, yes. Road I think rules. it was Road he, Rules. Yes, yeah. And then he was on the challenge. Mm-hmm. And he won like yeah. three times. Yeah. And I can't find like any footage of I him winning. I think he winning. was very quiet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But Shane and Theo are my current favorites, which is just a, not a very feminist thing for me to say, but it's the truth. So without for, oh, wait, who Kendall do you Loney. think? Yeah, Kendall, let, we'll, we'll guess for her. I know that she loves Nate Bregazzi as well. Okay. I think she's a big uh, Mulaney fan. And then I think that she also likes like Eliza. Yes. Nikki Glazer. Yeah. Taylor. Or is it Brown Tomlinson? Or Thompson? Tomlinson. We'll fact check it. Yeah. And well, I'm not we actually said both, to. actually. So either one is correct. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I think she also loves a more feminine energy in yes. her comedy, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Kendall? Kendall, you'll have to tell Listen us how we did. Listen to the episode and let oh, us yeah. know if we're Let's right. Let's not say anything and see if she says anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I am so excited to announce our guest today. Mm-hmm. Jules, I'm going to have to give it to you. You're this is your brainchild. This, yes. I was, um, well, I, do you mean the podcast in general? Because yes. And well, then this, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so, Ariel. I met Ariel through Ricky, who met her through her one of her best friends, Emily. This has to be four years ago, at the very least. Um, we were not sober. And Ariel told us this story. And my recollection of it was wildly <laughs> incorrect but I did know that she had a story and I swear that's I told you that after our season when we um knew that we were going to be looking having people on she was the first one I asked about yep first yeah. one you asked about yeah it is such a pleasure she is um I have no doubt she's going to be a fan favorite of the season she is just otherworldly alien like in mm-hmm. terms of her overall presence grace curiosity understanding empathy i do have to make a disclaimer i met ariel as ariel because people have been incorrectly calling her ariel up until past her 30s and she is just now correcting everyone and letting her everyone including me at the beginning of the episode know that her name is ariel Mm -hmm. and while i think i did a decent job of it I can almost guarantee that I will call her Ariel once or twice. So for that, I am sorry. Uh, this is a two-parter. 
Zupata. And if you are someone that doesn't normally watch our episodes, I would take a I would take a look at this woman. Yes, she, she is, is beauty. She is grace. Mm-hmm. Inside and out. She is not Miss United States. No, she is Miss <laughs> Spain. <laughs> Uh, but we're so so lucky to have her on. We enjoyed it so much. We know you will too. So without further ado, we give you part one of Arielle Roberts and our first venture into murder. Hello, everyone. We are here with Arielle Roberts. Arielle is, first and foremost, a good friend of mine. I met her through uh, our mutual friend, Emily, who shares the same birthday as us. Shout out, Em. And I'm so glad that I did. She also really bonded with Julian on a float in Lake Austin during a birthday. Good men (laughs) bond with most people. (laughs) But more importantly, Arielle is pretty fucking accomplished on her own. She has a podcast called The Expat Therapist. She has her master's in social work and she just started up her own company called Global Transitions, where she provides mental health support to expats. Ariel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We're so excited. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. You are calling in from Michigan today, but that is not where you normally reside. So give us the download. Tell us what you've been up to and just more about your life today. Yeah, for sure. So about two years ago, I moved to Spain. So I think actually the last time we saw each other, we were in, oh yeah, you met my husband, right? Yes. So at M's wedding. So yes, yeah, a distinct bond with my <laughs> now fiance. <laughs> oh my God. Congratulations. I totally forgot to congratulate you on that. That is totally okay. Thank you. So exciting. I low-key FaceTimed M while she was at your surprise engagement. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That was so sweet of her to be there. I've never been more surprised. But yes, the last time you and I saw each other, we were in Scottsdale, Arizona for Emily's Mm -hmm. wedding. But two years ago, you moved to Spain. Yeah, two years ago, I moved to Spain. So I've been there for the last two years, loving it. It's amazing. So I live in Valencia. Quite a transition for me, which actually is the entire inspiration to my company. You know, so I'm a clinical therapist. And when I moved, it was really hard for me adjusting. And I didn't even really realize it. I had my mom hat on for like the first kind of six to nine months. And once I realized my son was completely adjusted and he was fine and thriving and had friends and was fluent in like six months, I was like, okay, cool. Like he's fine. Now I can kind of like, you know, take my worries off. And my body was like, okay, now like you got to pay attention to you. Like this is an adjustment. Like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get things together. And actually it took me a really long time to find mental health support out there about 10 months. (laughs) And so after finding someone who I really related with, so she's actually from the Dominican Republic. She lived in the United States for about 20 years and then she moved to Spain. So she was able to understand me culturally, you know, linguistically, and also just being like a black female and an expat there was a lot of just connecting there and it really helped my mental health and I was able to get out of the the rut that I was in and after that I was super motivated to help others who may not have the mental health education that I do and yeah so other expats out there who might be struggling and so yeah that's kind of my inspiration for that so I'm here in Michigan kind of launching that getting things going so yeah. I think that's a really awesome thing for you to be doing. I have a couple questions is because mental health has kind of 
taken like a forefront in America in the last few years, but is that different, a different experience than overseas? Great question. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially in Spain. I like to say that Spain's maybe like 50, 60, 70 years behind the United States in a lot of ways, you know, in some ways, not so much, but, you know, definitely they have mental health, you know, therapists and, and experts out there, but it's definitely not as well accepted, I would say, you know, and so for me, I was looking for, you know, an English speaking therapist Mm -hmm. and preferably someone out there because, you know, the time difference and everything. And it was just so hard, you know, people out there say they speak English and, you know, it's not quite the same or it's like British English, which honestly it's super silly, but sometimes it's hard to, to connect to, to someone who speaks British English, which you wouldn't think or imagine, but yeah. So when I first went to Europe, it was, I went for five weeks after college and I remember being really nervous because I thought I was going to go over there and I was going to fall in love with it and I wasn't going to want to ever come home but I found that because I did have the language barrier that I felt really isolated so like I totally understand why I think that's a really good niche for you to go for yeah that's like the biggest thing like isolation like you're leaving your entire support Mm -hmm. system and your familiarity with everything and you know I felt very invalidated those first couple of months last year because you know, I would express my feelings, you know, I'm really struggling. You know, I feel like I'm depressed. There's like a lot of anxiety I have this need to control things. And I'm like, what's going on? It's very uncharacteristic of me. People are like, you know, what do you have to worry about? You live in Europe, you live in Spain. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And it's awesome. But like, I still have these feelings, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, that isolation is very real. What caused you to move out there? So I started solo traveling in 2019. And Spain was actually the first place I went as a solo traveler. And I fell in love by the end of my like two weeks there, I was like looking up ways that I could work out there, get a visa and like international schools that I could you know, bring my son with me to, to attend, you know, and I came back home and I was like, you know, mom, dad, I'm moving to Spain. And they're like, Oh, you know, everything Ariel says she's going to do, she ends up doing. <laughs> and so I, I had actually, I planned for us to move for only about a year and I was planning to leave in the summer of 2020. And then, Oh shit. I had my flight, you know, I had, places to stay. So I was going out there to kind of like travel the country to figure out, you know, where we could, where I could work, where I could find an apartment or a place to stay, where my kid could go to school. Yeah. And so March, April, they like canceled everything. And I was like, no big deal. COVID's only going to last three months. So I'm like, I'm going to reach out to any and everyone that I know or who's willing to talk to me. And so I had actually met my now husband in 2019 through an app and then like met him, you know, when I was like solo traveling there. And then I reached out to him and I was, you know, hey, do you remember me from like last summer? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to move and, you know, I need help with, you know, A, B, C, da, da, da. And like within a week, our conversations were not about my move anymore. And <laughs> completely about him and I. And so we actually found a loophole and we quarantined in London for three weeks together in August of 2020, which was super scary because it's like, either I'm going to love you <laughs> or I'm just going to be stuck with you in this one bedroom apartment, not being able to leave for 14 days. But yeah, it turned out well. And then we're kind of crazy. We eloped like three months later in Barbados. I'm so obsessed with that. I, I my first time hearing any of this. So I'm just so excited. You're the first person I have definitely ever met that was impacted by COVID where you literally got stuck quarantined yeah. with another person. Yeah, no, it was honestly COVID was so great for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he what country is he from originally? 
He's from Spain. He's from Spanish. Spanish. Okay. Okay. He's really awesome. Just a great human being. The way he bonds with people is really, really, really special. You know, like, I mean, obviously like I felt that when I met him, but like also I was meeting like a ton of men in Spain my first time. <laughs> Um, Yeah, but then yeah, in London, like that just connection, it was just it was just crazy, you know, by the time so by by the time we had gotten to London, my Spanish was not it was not great. So the first couple of months we were like using a translator and like, God bless this man because he, his patience is beyond me. Like, I'd be like, wait, can you repeat that? But like slowly, can you like spell it? And I'm like sitting here on my computer, like typing it out. (laughs) I would have that patience for you too. Oh my God, you're so sweet. (laughs) I love you. Um, (laughs) But yeah. And so, yeah. So anyways, we, we eloped and then I had to take my son's father to court to get us over there. which was really stressful and a lot of anxiety. I think that also probably contributed to just my adjustment issues and concerns or whatever, but really awesome. My, my lawyer was like, yeah, like this, um, you know, this court hearing is going to take about three to four hours. You know, we got to do a lot of stuff and we got to prove this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we went in and I had sufficient evidence and the judge made a decision in like 50 minutes. So it was like really kind of awesome. And just one of those signs too, that's just like, you know, this is where you're meant to be. Like you fought for it and like you put in the work and, you know, and even with like the court thing, right. There's probably a lot of people like, Oh my God, you took your kid away from his dad. And it's like, no, actually I ended up giving his dad triple the amount of parenting time, which is great for my kid. And their relationship is thriving. Like, I think this move was amazing for all parties involved, you know, maybe minus my family. Like my family doesn't get as much time with my son anymore, but on the positive side, my parents are thinking about (laughs) moving out to Spain during the winter months every year. Yes. <laughs> Snowbirds. Exactly. I love that. A lot of people, I don't think necessarily know what an expat is. And you also gave us some really interesting insight because I very ignorantly said off mic before, and I'll just expose myself now. I was like, oh, I thought an expat was only a person who left America to live somewhere else. I didn't know it applied to everyone. And you gave us some great insight into that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, exactly. So expat is short for expatriate, which is basically a person who lives outside of their home country. So it can be an American moving out or someone moving into America. However, I think that we tend to use the word immigrant more so when we think of people moving outside of their country to the United States. And there's just such a negative connotation to that word So I prefer to use the word expat. You know, if you look up on Google expat versus immigrant, you know, expat, you're going to see people in business suits, briefcases, really like well put together humans working or whatever, you know, and then immigrants, right? We have people who are like crossing the border and doing like maid service or just it's it's just a really ignorant representation. And really, ideally, the only difference between the word immigrant and expat is your intention. So are you intending to leave your home country permanently and stay in this next country? Or are you leaving your home country temporarily? And so that's really the the only difference. And there are people who have the intent to do one and end up doing the other. So as far as I'm concerned, they're both. After the time that you've had in Spain so far, would you classify yourself as an expat or an immigrant? I'm an immigrant. Looking <laughs> back here. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. I love the rebrand. Yes. I'll I'll push for it as well. That's (laughs) incredible. Truly. We're so lucky to have you on and so lucky to hear all of the amazing things about where you are today and how you got here and what you're up to. But the reason that we wanted to talk to Arielle is because she has one of the crazier and more compelling 
who's your father stories that we've ever heard, which again, she uh, shared with us imbibing on a lake, which is the best time to share. <laughs> we really great life. I just want to throw that out there. I know people are listening to this like, okay, chill. We know you have fun. That's great. So we would love to, obviously, we're going to cover a lot today, just in terms of your childhood, your dad, your mom, and then what ended up happening to your dad and the journey that you took after that. So I'd love to just start at the beginning and tell us about where and how you grew up and who you grew up with. I'm from Michigan, born and raised. I I was born, obviously, to my mommy and my daddy. <laughs> my biological father, he was murdered when I was four months old. And so that's kind of where all of this goes. And so growing up, well, my mom remarried when I was four, you know, so my stepdad, who I call dad, he's the only dad I've ever known. He's an awesome human. Like he raised me as his own. And I love that they raised me and they still gave me all the information that I really needed about my biological father. Like it was never a secret. It was never like, no, we can't talk about this. Or, you know, that was your mom's ex, you know, like none of that. Like it was, you know, this is your father. This is your stepfather, you know, like it, it was a very open environment, which I really appreciate my my parents having having created that open space for me. Were your and mom and your biological father married when he died? Yes, they okay. were. Yeah. I'm not sure for how long, but yeah, they were. And so, yeah, so she, she remarried when I was four. But growing up, so kind of crazy story. My, my mom, we're working on her emotional intelligence and awareness, you know, but she wasn't one to really open up and talk about my dad. You know, if I had a question, she would never close me off, but it was never like, yeah, like sit down and let me tell you this like sweet story, you know? But so my biological father actually had an ex-girlfriend and the ex-girlfriend's mom is like my grandma. She's been there since day one. She's the sweetest, old little white lady with like gray hair like she's just amazing she's she she went to all of like my sporting events and everything growing up like she's just the best human ever and so she actually was the one who shared a lot of the stories with me over the years and so she really represented my father as like this amazing bright and shining human which like I do genuinely think that he was you know but as I got older and like started to kind of connect with the world I'm like yes you were probably awesome and great but like someone hated you enough to like empty an entire round on you like what happened and so so, you know, as I got older, I asked questions. And so, you know, they told me kind of his story. He was five years old when he 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 found his mom who had committed suicide in his home. So that was really traumatic, obviously, you know, and then when he was 12 years old, well, so after his mom committed suicide, he lived with his grandma. When he was 12 years old, he found his grandmother bludgeoned to death in their home. So then he went into the foster system and found a really awesome family. You know, they they took him in and, and loved him unconditionally. He went to a school called Detroit Catholic Central. So a very prestigious school that's still up and running today. Ariel, real quick, do you have any insight into why his grandmother was bludgeoned to death? Like, is that knowledge that has ever made itself privy to you? From what I know, it was due to, it was like a robbery. Like it was like a robbery gone bad. Not really any reason, unfortunately. So yeah, for, for some reason, I want to say like, I, you know, because I think my dad was out of town. So I want to say that maybe they thought grandma was out of town too. They came, they robbed, she was there and it kind of happened. That's kind of the idea that I have, but Your yeah. dad was out of town. So is it too, do you, how long in between do we know? No, I'm not sure. No, I, I don't have details to that, unfortunately. But yeah, I just know he came home, you know, and she, she had, she, she was gone. So that's terrible. That is so horrible. I have a follow-up question from before. How did, so the person that's telling you the majority of these stories is your 
dad's ex-girlfriend's mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How she... did... <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> All these crazy connections. Okay. So she's, she's really just a genuine and beautiful soul. And so she worked as a Detroit public school teacher for the longest. And so she took people in. And so she, to this day, she still has amazing connections with people that she taught 40, 50, 60 years ago, honestly, you know, and then relationships with all of their children. And my dad was one of them. Um, and so she just remained in connection with him after his, her daughter and, and my father broke up and they remained good friends. Like I have a relationship with, with her as well. So it's not weird. She's, yeah. they're just awesome humans. Honestly. That's incredible. Thank you yeah. for clarifying that. I was like, how long have, what the heck? But that's amazing. She just has her little, her little circle or her garden yeah. that she waters. Yeah. Another, yeah. another village. We're yeah. seeing a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. That's really Literally. beautiful. I sh I've struggled over the years calling her like, her name, which is Miss Marath versus like grandma, because she literally is my grandma. Resuming, he went to a prestigious school. Yeah. So, um, all American athlete. Like he, um, he swam, he ran track and field, he played basketball, he played football. And so football was like his number one sport. And so by the time he was like a senior in high school or junior in high school, we, he had all colleges looking at him. He's, you know, with this, this family that's taken him in and he is like gung-ho on Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden he commits to MSU and everyone's like, what in the world happened? And this kind of came out later, but apparently the MSU coach like made a deal with the foster family that if they could get him to MSU, they would also maybe help out a little bit financially with their son, who was also like the same age as my my father. So he, he ended up going to MSU, which is actually where he met the ex-girlfriend whose, whose mother is my grandma. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michigan State? Oh, yes. Michigan State. I okay. guess you guys aren't from Michigan, huh? <laughs> well, Ricky went to MSU, too. Just it was a different State. MSU. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Not I as just... notable is all. <laughs> he went to MSU, and, and then he got drafted by the Denver Broncos. Um, and so he went out Not there. Their parents Go on Broncos. our podcast. Go Broncos! <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we better this year. Until we'll yeah. we die. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So my my grandma, she always tells me the story. Like his first practice out there, he was so excited. He forgot his mouth guard and he knocked out his two front teeth. No. <laughs> first practice. Oh, no. First practice. I know. Like if they had FaceTime back in that day, I can imagine him being like, hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no teeth, no front teeth. <laughs> and so, you know, everyone in like the Detroit area is, um, you know, they're following him, right? So he's like this amazing, you know, athlete who made it from Detroit. And so his best friend, um, who's actually my godfather, apparently, um, was out <laughs> at this bar. And so he's like talking to the bartender and he's like, you know, talking about my dad, like, you know, hey, that's my man. That's my brother, you know, da, 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 da. Because um, he's and playing on TV. He's playing, yeah, he's playing, a, you know, a game, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this old man next to him kind of like looks and like cheers. And he's like, yeah, that's my son. <laughs> And the guy's like, nah, man, like I've, I've known this man for forever. Like he doesn't have a dad. He doesn't have a relationship with his dad, at least like he's never known the man. And, you know, he's like, no, you know, 
it's my son and his his grandmother like paid me off to not be in his life and da 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 which you know unfortunately we can't really verify exactly because Mm -hmm. all parties are deceased and so they they exchange information and my dad's best friend I was thrilled to hear that conversation. This guy's got to be like this it's drunk like, old regular. Right. Good for, <laughs> for him for at least giving Give, any sort of credence exactly, to what he like, said. All right, man, let me get your fucking phone number. I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know if he like maybe said something like really. So yeah. Really identifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like probably like the mom's name or the, or the grandma's yeah. name or something like, or like where they grew up or something. Right. Like that. Something that like, you know, someone close to the family would really only know, not just like some drunk at this bar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyways, they developed some type of relationship which really only extended as much as like my dad's fame kind of continued so yeah we'll get a little bit more into that as as this goes but so my my dad got injured that first season and so he came back to Michigan to rehab and kind of speculation at this point based off of just kind of everything that I have unraveled over the past few years. But I think that's probably around the time that a drug addiction addiction became a thing. And I think he just kind of really set into this like depressive state and he he wasn't able to heal and make it back. So he, he stayed in Detroit and I think it just, it really brought his spirits down. He did end up meeting my mom. Right. And so they got married and they had me, which is awesome and, and great. But then fast about that part. Yep. <laughs> about that yeah. Part. Right. Yes. Definitely. Good job, Dad. Um, <laughs> but fast forward. So I'm four months old and he was out at a party um, and he ran into someone who they butted heads. And so separately, they both left the party and separately, they both ended up at like the same stoplight. And so obviously there were drugs and alcohol involved. And so my my dad got out of the passenger seat and initiated a fight with the driver. And he he pulled out a gun and he he shot him, shot him to death. And yeah, so and you think this because of the drugs and alcohol involved and because they showed up at the stoplight in the same time was a case of paranoia. Yeah. Each thinking that the other was following. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so I know that because um, so when I was about 16 ish years old, I, I sat down with my mom and I was just kind of like, you know, you and Miss Marath or, you know, my grandma, you guys have done a really good job portraying my father in this awesome light. But as I get older, kind of make connections. And why would someone empty around on him? What was going on? Like, you know, I, I'm interested in knowing more. And, you know, and I, I don't know if I had noticed at this time, or if she just kind of brought these out, but then I started to see his murder was appealing. Um, so he, he turned himself in like the next morning after the shooting, and he he went to court and he got life without parole. And so he was appealing and appealing and appealing. And is that knowledge that you, I know you, you said that your parents had always done a really good job of being upfront with you. So had they always told you that he had turned himself in the next morning? Yeah, I don't think I really asked a lot of questions. and I don't think they really told me a lot about him. So I think that's kind of like when this conversation happened with my mom, that's just kind of like, you know, because, you know, my grandmother, bless her soul, she's like, your dad was awesome. Your dad was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a really bad guy. He did a really bad thing. He's a really terrible person. And as a social worker, and I kind of always known that this was going to be my path. I'm always willing to see the the bright side or benefit of give benefit of the doubt or dig a little bit further because there's always a reason, but it's never really what it seems. So that's kind of like what elicited this conversation with my mom. That's like, you know, I can't really talk to grandma about it because she's like, 
gung ho on the fact that this is just a bad man, you know. So I asked some clarifying questions with my from my mom. So I might have found out about this time, you know, while he turned himself in. So she shared with me too that she's always really struggled with that that conviction, him going away for life. He was 22, 23 at the time, really young, really stupid. Like, I mean, we can all remember being 22, 23 and just the like Julian incredibly <laughs> nope, don't remember most of it. <laughs> I think that furthermore proves my point. (laughs) (laughs) It sure does. Yeah. And so she, she told me she's always struggled with it. And so as I got older, she wanted to kind of communicate with me about what I thought about potentially trying to get him out of jail. And so I thought that that was an awesome thing. Like my mom is, she's an angel. She's a great human. And so like that kind of like put that idea in my head. And so once I turned 18, went off to college, you know, doing my own thing. So I, I probably didn't really dive back into this again until like my 20s early 20s. So I started started doing a little bit more digging. I actually made contact with my biological father's best friend. So the guy who was with him the night that he was murdered, my godfather, the one who also found his father in the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he opened up too about some stuff. And so he actually he sent me this big file just full of like documentation that he collected over the years. So newspaper articles, um, like letters and just stuff that he had like had of, of my dad's. And so he had he had sent that to me. So I was able to like look through that or whatever. And you know, he gave me kind of his side of the story. What and was the side of the story? Basically this the same, you know, that they were at this party, you know, he the guy had previous history. I I guess he'd worked with my dad. And so there was something at the job that didn't go well, I think ended up with him getting fired. And so there was a little bit of animosity and they were at a party. They saw the dude, they, you know, separated and then fate had it, they left. And then they ended up at the stoplight together and mentioned like, you know, my dad was intoxicated and and he had initiated the fight and he tried to get out and stop him, but it was, it just happened so, so fast. So your godfather was in the car with your father. Wow. He was driving. Yeah. And, and didn't, and didn't get hit, which is kind of awesome because I think two bullets missed my dad, but like five got him. So yeah. And I know I'm so sorry that that happened. And obviously it's so like, there's something about losing a parent that you know, and then something about losing a parent that you don't. And they're both so difficult in different ways. And I definitely will get more into that. I want to ask some questions from you that just call for complete speculation, I think, but knowing your field and what you do, I'm drawing parallels to Aaron Hernandez, which, you know, as one does, do you think my first question, because we've covered so many themes on this show and I'm so happy about it. My first question is, and you, you may not know at all Mm -hmm. with your dad getting injured. Mm -hmm. Do you know if he was on pain medication and if that had anything to do with his addiction um so really quick note did i did i mention my dad's name no no it's aaron (laughs) oh wow (laughs) i just got chilled (laughs) yeah um dad aaron hernandez (laughs) yeah no not quite um (laughs) but um but to answer your question i do not know so it is pure speculation so yeah in my master's program i did specialize in chemical dependency Mm -hmm. and so just kind of what i know and then also just like the black community you know mental health was not a thing right and so you know and this actually you know speculation piece you know my mom did open up and tell me like one night so actually My parents were married, but there were problems. And so she identified that they had split up like very shortly after I was born. 
And so she, they like lived not too far from my grandmother's house. So she had like dropped, or we were living with my grandmother. I was there. So she went back to the house and she remembers waking up one night and my dad wasn't in the bed. And so she walks out into the living room and she just remembers this like smoke, but it wasn't like cigarette or like Mm -hmm. normal smoke. So she, you know, she, she assumed that it was a different type of drug, which he denied, you know, which like is a sign of unfortunately addiction, right? That denial piece. So I'm not really sure the correlation. That's kind of why I said earlier, like speculation, I think Mm -hmm. that's probably around when it started. Right. And then on top of that, you pile that on with like depression and not being able to talk about mental health and being a black man in a society that, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And potentially having a traumatic brain injury or two. That's what I was going (laughs) to, that was going to be my second question was with the just parallels that I'm drawing is wondering and of course again there we have no place to say but see CTE I'm wondering if that's had anything to do with just that impulsivity lack of control things like that and it's obviously we'll never have the answers but I didn't know if you had ever kind of thought about that as both with your field and just with what had happened yeah no actually I've never really put that together so that's kind of awesome that you bring that up it brings up a lot of really great points right furthermore why like I think there's should be such an emphasis on awareness of mental health, right? right? And just all of the different things that can affect it because yeah. there's so many, there's so many different things. You know what position that he played? A running back. Running back? Yep. Mm-hmm. I would, yeah. Strong would, likelihood, I would say. I mean, I, I mean, I won't go as far to say strong likelihood for CTE, but certainly yeah. strong likelihood for more than one traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and just also like PTSD. Yeah. From childhood. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your dad had a yeah, he pulled a rough life, card. Man. It's so Holy interesting. Crap. And I know we're we're diverting here, but it's so interesting that he like went through these two really horrible things. And then I really want to, and it gets more into what you do. The fact that he was adopted into a foster family that was so amazing, which is I think less common mm-hmm. than we think of so he pulled himself up out of that a little bit and got had a had a really supportive foster family and then it's still obviously had demons yeah yep exactly and that's kind of the storyline that had was painted for me growing up Mm -hmm. was just that he had a very traumatic childhood and he had a lot of demons that followed him you know and so like as understandably yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, but makes more sense kind of like looking back in retrospect, like obviously I'm not the same person then that I am now, but like I've always been that kind of like curious digger. Like I want to mm-hmm. know and understand things on a deeper level. Like, yeah, sure. You can kind of tell me what's here on paper, but there's more to it. And you had that, you sat your mom down to have that conversation when you were 16. Yeah. Do you remember what was there like a something that sparked that or you had been thinking about it for a while? What caused like that night, that day for you to pull her? aside and ask her to to elaborate you know that's a really good question i i don't know i should maybe think about that a little bit more i don't know it's so brave and it's so wise beyond your years to have that kind of distinction at 16 years old that okay i know i'm being told this story and I appreciate that. I know who I'm, I can't really ask this question to because it's not going to go any other way. And to be brave enough to sit your mom down at 16 to have such an adult 
conversation. I think that's amazing. So yeah, yeah tell us more about tell us more about that. Yeah, so I'm around 20, kind of furthering the exploration, talking with my mom, talking with the the best friend. It, it might have even been a little early 20s or whatever, but um I discovered that the prison systems have this thing called JPay, which is basically like an electronic email system or I think it's it's developed now. It's a whole thing. But, you know, back then it was just like an email system where you could purchase credits to send emails to and from like your loved ones in jail. And, you know, I did a little bit of research. I like found his killers. So they call it MDOT or maybe it's MDOC. That's what it is. Michigan's Department of Correctional Facilities, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I found him. I found his like inmate number and I found like where like his facility. And so like I kind of put it into the system and I sent off an email. What did it say? (laughs) And did you consult anyone? Did you just send that or did you talk to your mom or you just were like, fuck it, I'm doing it. I, I just did it. Yeah, no, that's a really, actually, let me see if I can even pull that up. Yes. Yeah. So I found it. This is really crazy. I've never looked back at these emails. So this is, this is kind of cool. I should, I should read it. Yes, yes, please. Okay. Um, you know, so I said, my name is Ariel. I was the daughter of Aaron. I've been hoping to reach out to you for a while now. Not too sure why, but I thought I would try and get to know you a little better. You obviously knew my father a lot better than I did. And as I've gotten older, stories about him have changed from other people. Perhaps you can introduce me to another version of my father, seeing as you're the the one person in my life whose perspective of him was not as enlightening as everyone else's perspective. I'm a very open-minded human and I understand my father was not an angel as we're all subjected to the influences life bestows upon us and I want to know more. I want to know what you thought of him, why his life was so invaluable and what could have gone so wrong that your vengeance was that strong. I don't want to come off as hateful for I have no hatred in my heart for you. I believe God has an amazing way of shaping people through the life experiences they're put through. And regardless of the hiccups my family and I have endured, God made sure to motivate us to live life with no regrets and making each experience a blessing. Um, I have forgiven you and I pray for you often. It does not warm my heart to know you are spending the rest of your life in prison for a crime. You may have only spent moments of your life thinking out. I also researched and I've seen that you have appealed your sentence, rightfully so, since a life sentence is so harsh. I guess parts of me wonder why, though. Unfortunately, there are only two people in this world whose story will really be able to bring, quote unquote, peace to this situation, one being my father and the other you. Clearly, speaking to my father is impossible, but God has blessed me with an opportunity to speak with you. The whys are not that important, but I'm also curious to know how your mindset has changed in these past 24 years. So I was 24 at the time. I really just want to get to know you. You are such a valuable person in my story, yet I know nothing about you. I want to know the good things. I want to know the bad things, the funny stories, the sad ones. I want to know about your beliefs, what you hate, what you love, who you love, and more if you allow me to do so. Thanks already for taking the time to read this message. And I hope to hear from you soon. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I'm a speechless. (laughs) I'm so glad we made you read that. Yeah. You are so amazing. You're so resourceful. Like even hearing about you moving to or going to Europe and loving it and then just employing every thing that you had in you to connect with other people. You're so resourceful. And to know that you wrote this when you were 24 and you had already been prying with like everyone in your life, you are 
the greatest explorer we've had on the podcast, <laughs> including ourselves. Um, oh boy. <laughs> fucking incredible. I can't imagine the whole Thanks. time that you're reading that. The only thing to imagine him receiving that and reading that for the first time can just the, I mean, it has to be the greatest thing that happened to him, to him in 24 mm-hmm. years. He, yeah. yeah. In 24 years. How do you feel reading it back? You've never looked at it again. Yeah. I don't know. That was really surreal. Um, kind of makes me emotional. I, I think it shows a lot. I think it speaks a lot to like who I am, you know, and, and, you know, my intentions are, are, and kind of always have been good. And I, I, not that I doubted, but like, I do always know that like, I've had this want and desire to, you know, like, I think I mentioned maybe earlier, maybe off camera, but I've had this desire to like, kind of help him with those appeals because I've always, my mom and I have always thought that that life sentence was so harsh, you know, now so too, it's been 31 years. Like, you know, I, I think he's learned his, his lesson, I would hope. Right. And that's kind of, I think also what I wanted, you know, and I think that's kind of why I didn't put it in there, but I wanted to see like, you know, did you, did you learn? Right. And then like, that's such a valuable thing and so, something that I preach a lot in my daily personal professional life, but it's taking mistakes and errors that we make and learning from them. Because if we don't, that's what actually makes the mistake a mistake. Learning, learning from our errors, like it's what we, we're, we're human, we're supposed to make mistakes, you know, but you got to learn from them. With, and again, so beautifully put and completely agree with you and just the grace that it requires to I mean, you had the, these feelings when you were 16 years old, which is insane to listen to your mom say, hey, I don't know how I feel about this. And for you to not immediately take up arms and say, you know, what do you mean? He was murdered with your um, with your background and what you have studied, how much of uh, that intertwines with the criminal justice system? That's a good question. I I did not study that that much. One thing I know I was really passionate for in my studies was learning about the school to prison pipeline. Are you guys familiar mm-hmm. with that? Please elaborate. Please elaborate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. yeah. Um. So the school to prison pipeline is basically a system set up in our wonderful country where we take the test scores of third graders based off of their rating levels and based off of the ones who don't pass or who don't have a certain score, the government funds the prison systems because they are predicting that they will end up in jail. That's that's, that's absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So that's pretty much the main part that I, I really clung to, but you know, my passion has always been working with children, yeah. but that's kind of, you know, the part with, that relates to my dad is my specialization and chemical dependency and wanting to kind of learn more about that, which yeah, really, that was kind of my, my main connection. I'm just wondering as like another aside, like you said, a life sentence is so punitive. And when you actually think about this crime, if we like want to get technical premeditation is a requirement for a murder conviction. So I'm, I don't, I know that appeals have to be based on wrongdoing by the court. I think first first degree. degree. That seems crazy. And Um, I would even think of like manslaughter or something if you had no, and especially if you're on the other end of a, some aspect of like self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Anyways, I wanted to, as an aside. Yeah. Not really sure what the appeals were. You know, I mean, I know my mom still has the letters. She's like very organized like that. Well, it's ineffective assistance of counsel, something like that. And to think of, so you writing him, Jules, like you said, just hearing from you and the beautiful things that you said are such a gift to him. 
but then you're giving him another gift because so often when you're making an appeal, you have to show how you've changed. You have to demonstrate that you have to show that for parole and you're giving him the fucking floor mm-hmm. and asking earnestly, which I'm sure no one had up to that point. So now he has this to refer back to or, and if you, and we'll get into it, but if you ever show up for him, you have that as evidence. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Unfortunately, he has health problems and, Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm, I'm so frustrated with our system for this, but he gets really great medical care and Mm -hmm. and prison. And so, you know, I haven't even brought it up to him that this was a thought because I almost didn't even want to give him that option because he's not going to be taken care of if he gets out of jail and, and his health concerns are like extreme, you know, like he won't respond for many, 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 many months. And often says it's because he's just been stuck in the hospital. So he, he responded almost a year later. So I sent the the first email in June of 2016 and he responded in May of 2017. Did you Um, just kind of like assume that he just wasn't going to respond? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It was one of those things where it's like, I tried, you mm-hmm. know, and like I was as nice as I could be, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I just kind of let it be. Yeah. So he said, you know, Miss Roberts, I began by thanking you for sending me the kind and thoughtful email. I must say that I was quite surprised to see that you'd wanted to communicate with me considering all that happened decades ago. But nevertheless, I appreciate your candor and your openness. I apologize for not responding sooner but I never had any reason to check my emails because I don't communicate with anyone this way. All of my communication is usually done by me mailing letters, which makes checking for emails obsolete. It wasn't, however, until I received this tablet that I realized anyone had sent me an email. Apparently I've been missing out on those who have been corresponding with me these past years. So I did not ignore your email. I just didn't know that you had sent a message. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, let me say that this is the first email I've ever sent to anyone. I'm still learning about this new technology. So like, that's a real thing, right? He was put away in 92 and had no idea how to like deal with this. So that's another kind of just crazy thing. He said, I'm I'm not really sure where to begin because there are some legal matters that relate to my case still in the works. Therefore, I will tell you what I can without compromising my legal avenues. Hopefully the forthcoming information will suffice. In closing, let me say that I'm grateful for your forgiveness as I did not think that you of all people would be able to come to terms with that unfortunate tragedy of your father. So thank you. To switch gears a little bit here, I am working on a project called Restorative Justice. It is something that goes on in a number of prisons nationwide, except for Michigan. One of the main things that the project involves is what you are currently doing, communicating with the person or persons surrounding your loss. There are aspects of the program that are very therapeutic and can also, for some, provide closure. Hopefully I can be successful in this endeavor as a means of helping others cope with what you have been experiencing and have had to endure for so many years. Okay, this seems to be an appropriate point to end this missive. So until the next message, take care and God bless. And what did he, what else did he provide with that? It's, a, he, it's oh, okay. Yeah. He said, yeah. okay, that so, was as much as he could share. Yeah. So, and, and so that's kind of what the messages were like for, for a while. And I mean, so we, we sent back and forth like three in the month of 2017, 2018, we sent a lot more. I wonder if I can find the one. Cause I had to get permission from him before I went to go visit him. So I, I, I had to have asked him if I could see him cause I had to get like approved through the whole system. So it seems that 
how do they not tell these people that they're getting emails? It's cool. They need to check. I found a part one. So he did give me some more information. Okay. That's what it sounded like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he did. So he sent this in November of 2017. Should I read it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is crazy. I haven't gone through these in so long. Okay. So while I figured I would begin with what you've requested for me, I must say that I'm still wrapping my mind around this on a daily basis. I do, however, admire your courage and conviction in pursuit of information about your father. I'm inspired by your drive. Your courage has given me the necessary motivation to keep pushing for a restorative justice program in this state. I'm sure there are others like yourself whom seek from the convicted some of the answers you've requested. It is for this reason why I know such a program is needed, although I do wonder if those who are members of your family will despise the fact that I'm choosing to provide you with such information. Um, on a short note, I was surprised to read that your mother, oh, so maybe I did kind of mention that we'd be willing to assist, so my that he was surprised to read that my mother would be willing to assist in the program. He just figured that she despised his guts and wouldn't want to have any type of association, which is not true. My mom is the best human ever. I mean, you're here before us, so we would assume <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. So part one, and he literally labeled it part one. The beginning of this entry starts prior to me coming to Michigan. The city where I'm from, Los Angeles, was a place where I had to constantly be on my P's and Q's as my background and environment was not a pleasant one. I didn't grow up well off. I come from a hood background, but I've never claimed to be a thug. The fact that I come from the hood doesn't mean that I had no formal educational background. I graduated from high school one year early, and from there I went off to college. I did not graduate as there were a number of career choices in my path that I chose to embark upon, like opening up champs, which is where he met my dad. I, felt, was, I feel like I knew that. This yeah. had to have been a Bahamas conversation. Go on. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, because we went to the Bahamas. In, oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, he said it was a success that eventually landed me in prison. And I only have my, myself to blame. So being from the hood meant that I was raised somewhat differently. I had to endure many things as a, as a youth. Life was rough. And that meant that I had to do a lot of fighting to get to where I wanted to be in this world. I'm in prison and my fight to survive still continues. Fast forward. Eventually, I came to Michigan, opened up a champ store. It had all the makings of an illustrious career that only needed me ensuring it would prosper. I did it for about a year. Who knew that life would deal me such a challenging hand, one in which I played good and bad simultaneously? So near the ear of near the end of 1991, your father applied and was hired to work at the store. However, before he came to work at the store, he had developed quite a reputation for a number of negative things, um, none of which were known to me. In fact, in a conversation that who is my dad's best friend and I had had after Aaron had been terminated, I asked him how come he never said anything about the, the vices, the negative things. His reply was that he thought that he knew. And so, well, I didn't. He didn't. I mean, after all, friends don't give up their friends' issues when it comes to gainful employment. It's it's a code. In hindsight, however, I do believe that had his reputation been known by me and the other manager prior to hiring him, there's a strong chance that he would not have gotten the job. This wouldn't have been a reflection on him as a person, but more from a business standpoint. You typically don't hire people with the background that Aaron possessed. Um, and so at this point, like I think I had speculated, but I didn't really know. So he said after Aaron was hired, I was the one who trained him. Since he had previously worked at a footlocker, there wasn't a tremendous amount of training that I had to administer with him. 
This made my job much easier and the transition into the job much smoother. It was during this time that Aaron and I had developed an excellent working relationship. We never had any arguments and few disagreements. In short, he and I got along quite well. The relationship he and I had outside of the workplace was the same. Although we did not hang out with one another, there was a time when some of us, such as my full-time guys, which included Aaron and Tr whom at the time worked at Foot Locker and myself, went to play basketball at a church or a rec center somewhere in Detroit. We had a really nice time and there were no problems or altercations. This was when I learned that your father was a pretty good basketball player. There were, however, a couple of occasions when unbeknownst to one another, we happened to be at a few functions together. Other than that, I only got to know him through the workplace where I had the opportunity to learn a number of things about him as an individual. In particular, I learned of his temper that would go from zero to 100 real quick. This alarmed me because I didn't think that he would last for a long period of time on the job, nor would it be good for employee morale. One particular occasion, he and the they had a very heated exchange with one another. Their confrontations, in fact, became so heated that we had to separate the two from each other as they were you know, soon to get very physical. During this time, I really thought they were going to do some serious physical damage to one another. Aaron also had some serious fallouts with other workers, but none had reached the height as the ones between him and to be continued. Yeah, let me see if I can find the other one. I feel like you, in telling us about your dad, have sort of said some things where you're like, and I have a hint of this, but I'm not sure. And it seems like some of it was you remembering these emails, but them getting further and further from you. Yeah, I've never looked back at them. This is incredible. Yeah, this is, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm not sure why. Let me see if I can see the my response after the... Okay, so it looks like I took a while to respond. Oh no, just kidding. It took me about a week to respond. So he sent the he sent the to be continued and didn't send the other part I bet of it. He was with up it. on time. <clears throat> yeah, so the next could... one I think he was... wanted her to write him back. <laughs> okay. So I responded, it looks like within a month, probably. I think I was in college at this point too. So no, no, no. I was way out of okay, no, just kidding. 2017. I don't know what I was doing. Did you like look forward to these correspondences? Um, kind of like you, I I think obligation. No, I don't think it was obligation, but I think I had a lot of anxiety around it because I just didn't Mm -hmm. know what was going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of courage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know, before you get into the second part, after having read that first part, I think it's going to be really hard for you to go back and remember how you felt. Can you get some kind of sense of it or how you feel now after just reading what you read? Yeah, I think I was really confused. So actually, my email back to him, I have a part that's like questions about part one. And so I said, (laughs) these negative vices that you've mentioned, having been deemed upon my father's reputation, are those just the drugs? Question mark. This has probably been the most recent discovery I've come across his drug addiction. So I know very little about it. But once again, we can... I can probably assume a lot. If the drugs weren't the only negative issues, what else is there? Also, can you elaborate on the situation by any chance? So maybe at this time too, I'm making like, I I knew drugs were a part of it, but I think at this part, I, or at this time I had started realizing that it was like an actual addiction. Like there was actually a problem here, which might also, I think this is also when I started grad school. So yeah, I was in school. Okay. Yeah. I think I started grad school in in fall of 2017. So this was December of 2017. So 
Yeah, I was probably like digging into like addiction and and whatever. And so and honestly, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Did you yeah. when you read the first part, did you share that with your mom or your grandma? I have never told my grandma that I am in communication with him. Oh, wow. She would flip. I've talked oh. to her once about it and she almost like cut my head off. So I was yeah. like, okay. okay. Um, and so she, she's getting older. So she was just diagnosed with dementia. I'm so and sorry to hear that. So I don't know. I don't know what the next, that was also kind of another reason why I wanted to come home. I wanted to spend some time with her mm-hmm. and which is actually how I got this because I like all of my, my father's stuff is in her house. So I don't know if I mentioned this or if this really fits the, the story, but kind of it's backtracking. Yeah, true. Okay. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so his, his fought fa- my father's father. So my grandfather the guy he, in the bar the, the guy <laughs> in the bar yeah yeah and that's probably like that's what we should just call him because he's not my grandfather and yeah, I'm right. not giving him that bar yes. guy bar guy bar guy yeah <laughs> he he caused so many problems at the funeral they the, a huge fight actually broke out and then he and his family actually went to my dad's house and and robbed him so he, they took 90% of all of his belongings so the only things that we have are two trunks full of stuff from Michigan state and uh, like some pictures and stuff and then just whatever we've connect, like collected so like we had like articles and like like Detroit Catholic Central sent some stuff too you know once they heard so like the community loved my dad yeah. loved him and like like I said to this day I mean I think I just received a Facebook message like a month or two ago from someone who went to elementary school with him you know mm-hmm. and they're like sending me all of these photos of him like these black and white like, like yearbook photos hometown um, hero mm-hmm. yeah something like that so so yeah so that's all I have of him and you know apparently my mom told me that we we ran into him at like an ace hardware shop once ace hardware store that yeah was my store. First job ever <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Cashier at Ace Hardware. <laughs> That's amazing. With the help of whatever it is. Man. Man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they ran into each other at an Ace. I love that. Yeah. My mom ran into him and he was just a, a big a hole. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, the reason that I asked the question is I was wondering these, the clarifying questions that you had, I was wondering if maybe you had a conversation with your mom that, that gave you those questions, like, okay, maybe this is why he was acting erratic at work. Was it the addiction, but was like informed the questions that you asked maybe? Probably. I would assume so. Um, yeah, I think, I think I was in very close communication with my mom about this at this time. So yeah, that would make a lot of sense. So that might be, you know, when she kind of opened up to to me about that part. Right. Yeah. So all kind of like clicking and making sense now. So, okay. Part two, ready? (laughs) Yes, you are. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for doing this. This is I mean, more than we're so yep. excited. So incredible. Thanks for it'll, asking. Sorry, it's making it longer. Two parter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make it way uh, longer. Sorry. No, everyone loves a two parter. Yeah. Okay. So he says, you know, let me begin with sorry that it took me so long to get back to you. The reason being is that I have just returned from being in the hospital. I have some serious health issues going on. And some months ago, things got worse, forcing me into the hospital for a little while. At first, things didn't seem bad, but as it turned out, had I not gone to the hospital, 
battle over the smallest thing, the bigger problems would have more than likely ended my life. You might be wondering what the hell is going on. Well, let me say this. Much of what I had gone through was neurological. You see, I have a few conditions that have placed me in a bad spot health-wise. Currently, I have a condition that caused me to lose sight or his vision three times now. Uh, that's just one of the issues that he's dealing with. There are more. But anyway, yeah, I lost my vision a few times, but that was a part of why I had to go to the hospital. But what that was why a part of why I had to go to the hospital. Um, not that's because I small, lost the small thing that, that right. Left yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's saying not because I lost my vision, but he was undergoing extreme eye pain. That was, okay. yeah, getting stronger. And actually, now that I'm like reading this, it's more about him. So he is talking more about like his, his health here. Yeah. You know what, guys? Um, going through all of these emails is really bringing up a lot in me. Um, I think I would like to kind of compose myself, go over these, get, you know, myself together. Um, and maybe we can resume next week. Of course. Okay. Absolutely. No, this is your this is your episode. Ariel, so, that's completely fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just totally it's understood. really surreal kind of going through these again. And you know, I think I did a little bit of blocking. So no problem. Well, you take the time to do what you need to do. We will text you offline <laughs> and and we'll just see you for the next interview. And that can play out absolutely however you want it to. We have been so grateful to have you regardless. And thank you for even taking the time to go back and revisit those emails. I know it was a really part of, uh, for, or it was really important for us to do that for our own story. So I'm hoping that it was a, a little bit beneficial for you, <laughs> but I, I appreciate you, um, making that sacrifice for the audience regardless. So thank you for everything that you shared with us today. Yeah, thank, you. thank you for understanding. Yeah, Absolutely. of course. We will talk to you next week. All right, perfect. Go cuddle up, ladies. <laughs> Thank Lots you. Of order or something. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. All right. Bye, guys. Well. She did not disappoint. She did not. What a what a human. <laughs> yeah. I know she had to leave a little bit abruptly because she was so gracious as to go through emails with us in real time. I love it when people do that because it really harkens back to yes, the experience season. of our season. Yes, that was my favorite part. Uh, so that's really special. But I think that we can all agree that just her capacity for introspection and understanding she is just a far better person than I am and probably will ever be. Yeah. I think nine D9 times out of a hundred, <laughs> I am able to put myself in someone else's shoes and know exactly, be very sure of what I would say, what I would think, what I would do. And in this situation, I cannot, I don't know what I would do. I truly do not. So to hear that at 16, she was able to take a step back and see, just start to think that maybe there were more parts to this story and more pieces to her father is, um, yeah, just very, very admirable. Yeah. For her to not have adopted a victim mindset at all mm -hmm. and actually question whether or not all of the 100% positive things people were telling her about her father were true because of the way that he passed is just wildly advanced yeah. for a 32-year-old, let alone a 16-year-old. Yeah. yeah. 
So I just can't wait to see what, what she says next week. Yes. We all have time to get our bearings, but I think we can all agree. Yeah. As I mean, and our first venture into any sort of true crime for the season, which obviously we have kept that way on purpose. Yes. <laughs> um, but like the least exploitative way that we could have possibly done it. Yeah. And I wish that we could talk to her every week. I love her. <laughs> and take care of yourself tonight, yes. Miss Ariel. Take Ariel. <laughs> yes, take care of yourself tonight, Ariel. We will be thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next week for part two. Part two. In the meantime, we are signing off. We hope you leave feeling a little bit more normal in your own family dynamic, excited about the world around you, and curious about the possibilities. Have a good week. Take things in stride and leave people better than you found them. Ciao, Bellas. Ciao, Bellas. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.